Hi, everybody. My name is Anthony Greco, and I'm the Director of Exhibits and Interpretive Planning at the Buffalo History Museum. Now, over the past year, it's been our honor to have you listen to our podcast. And today, I'm so proud to announce that we've topped over 10,000 downloads. Now, while I know that compared to some other podcasts, that's nothing. But this is just the beginning for us. Help us to continue to grow even more by telling your family and friends about us, and we'll keep bringing the stories. Now, one more note before we get started. I wanted to issue a, a bit of a trigger warning before today's episode. Our story today deals with the origins of the folk song Buffalo Gals. Difficult origins, which include the shameful practice of blackface minstrelsy. Now, to be clear, neither myself nor anyone representing the museum is condoning this practice or celebrating those who engaged in it. However, it is an unfortunate part of our local history. Thank you, and now on with our story. If you're a fan of folk music, play the guitar, or are simply from Western New York, you've probably heard this song at some point in your life. Buffalo Gals is a lively and spirited tune played on traditional folk instruments like the fiddle and guitar. It's been around for nearly two centuries. My first meaningful encounter with the song came nearly 15 years ago when it appeared on Bruce Springsteen's album, We Shall Overcome, The Seeger Sessions. The album featured a number of traditional American folk songs made popular by musician and activist Pete Seeger. Though many of these classic compositions of Americana were made popular by Seeger, they were written by a variety of artists in a time when music was transient and songs borrowed and adapted. In the days prior to recording equipment, songs often gained popularity by being played by one artist, heard and learned by another by ear, then adapted and spread around the country as they traveled. Such seems to be the case for Buffalo Gals. According to the Library of Congress, the song's origins are difficult to surmise, but it's believed to have first been published in 1844 under the title Lovely Fan by the artist John Hodges, using his stage name Cool White. Hodges was a blackface minstrel show performer. Beginning in the 1830s, these itinerant minstrel shows became a popular draw for theaters around the country. Shamefully, these shows featured troops of professional white entertainers made up in blackface, performing songs and dances intended to portray what the audience believed was African-American culture. These performances satirized black life and sentimentalized the antebellum South. Hodge's lovely fan was soon picked up by another minstrel show known as the Ethiopian Serenaders, who published the song as Philadelphia Gals in 1845. 
As they traveled the country from city to city and town to town, the group would alter the title. In 1848, the group published the song under its most enduring name, Buffalo Gals. Though the Ethiopian serenaders are credited with first publishing the song, its Western New York-centric version may have possibly had a different creator. One theory as to its origins holds that the lyrics were written by Buffalo's own Edwin or E.P. Christie as early as 1844. Born in Philadelphia in 1815, Christie came to Buffalo in the 1830s where he married a widowed Canal District saloon keeper named Harriet Harrington. Christie had purportedly spent much of his early life throughout the American South, specifically New Orleans, where he, quote, put a great deal of effort into learning the rhythms of speech and music in Southern African-American culture. Christie had gained popularity as a blackface minstrel performer, being both a gifted singer and a skilled violinist. After marrying Harrington in 1835, he began employing the talents of George Harrington, his new stepson, in his shows. George was a talented musician in his own right, learning the violin from his stepfather and being able to, quote, beat time with his hands expertly. In 1842, E.P. formed the troupe The Christie Minstrels, which would soon become among the most popular traveling minstrel shows in the entire world. The troupe featured George Harrington, now billed as George Christie, banjo player Tom Vaughn, circus gymnast Lansing Durand, and of course, E.P. himself, who also managed the show. Along with his troupe, Christie performed and may have perhaps even written Buffalo Gals as early as 1844, the same year as Hodges published Lovely Fan. Though at no point in the traditional lyrics are the identities of the Buffalo Gals expressly stated, many believe the inspiration came to Christie from the women of the city's infamous Canal District an area with which he was quite familiar. The district, known for its crime and debauchery, was a haven for the Erie Canal boatmen and lake sailors who frequented Buffalo during their seasonal employment. The identities of the Buffalo Gals are open for interpretation. Some believe the gals are the everyday girls of Buffalo, catching the eyes and the hearts of the lonely young sailors and canalers. Others believe they're the women of somewhat lesser reputations that worked the district. Chrissy's minstrel show, as well as many others of the genre, took hold in Buffalo's entertainment industry, just as they did across the entire nation, keeping theaters packed and acts in high demand. An 1855 edition of the Detroit Times even pleaded for a group from England known as the Buckley Minstrels to travel to Michigan, claiming the troupe is, quote, doing great business in Buffalo. 
If they will come here, we will promise them jammed houses. The Ethiopian serenaders, who first published Buffalo Gals, even performed in the White House in 1844, playing for President John Tyler along with his family and friends. Locally, advertisements for performances appeared in newspapers like the Buffalo Courier, the Buffalo Evening Post, and the Buffalo Daily Republic. Adjacent to these ads were those for other, more palatable forms of entertainment. On April 9, 1859, the Buffalo Evening Post promoted a two-day engagement featuring New York City's Campbell Minstrels at Buffalo's American Hall. Just below the ad was one for Rossini's The Barber of Seville to be performed at nearby St. James Hall. Minstrelsy, an opera, nearby in both print and proximity. Minstrelsy remained popular through the 1930s, being performed by both darkened white performers as well as by African Americans who saw the stage as a path of economic opportunity in an otherwise limited society. As ideas toward race slowly evolved throughout the 1950s and 60s, the practice of performing in blackface faded, though, as we've seen in recent years, still appears from time to time. Songs of the minstrel era like Buffalo Gals, Blue Tail Fly, Swanee River, and Oh Susanna have endured, appearing on folk albums, in Bugs Bunny cartoons, and even at the Kentucky Derby, where the minstrelsy-rooted song, My Old Kentucky Home, is not only sung each year before the iconic race, but is in fact Kentucky's official state song. As for Buffalo's E.P. Christie, his days were not as enduring as many of his compositions. In the late 1840s, he moved to New York City, where his group continued to perform and where he managed a chain of theaters called Christie's Opera House. On May 20th, 1862, fearing the effects that the Civil War might have on his business, Christie threw himself out the third-story window of his Manhattan residence. He died the next day. Today's story was researched, written, and produced by me, Anthony Greco. We'll be back in two weeks with another great tale from West New York history. The Buffalo History Museum receives operating support from the National Endowment for the Humanities, Erie County, the City of Buffalo, the New York State Council on the Arts with the support of Governor Kathy Hochul, and the New York State Legislature. Additional support is provided by MT Bank and from our donors, members, and friends. <laughs>